WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. If you've got a career and you want to ruin it, start tweeting. Get a Twitter account and start tweeting. Because sooner or later, at a weak moment, you will tweet something that will damage you or ruin you. You're going to think something's funny, but it's not. You think people won't react, but they will. You think you can delete it, but people already have a screensaver. You think you can do damage control, but you can't. One tweet, and you're all done. For good. Ask Roseanne. A Hollywood agent recently said that he'd rather see his clients do drugs than go on Twitter. To ruin your career with drugs takes eight or nine months, and you can still play the sympathy card at that point. Oh, it's a disease. With Twitter, all it takes is one tweet. So let me recommend, do drugs, not Twitter. With drugs, there's a way back. Well, usually. I don't respond anymore on Twitter to people I don't know. Eight weeks now, and I am so, so, so deliriously happy. So hey, Twitter, guess what? You just made the list. I just want to say that anybody who says don't do drugs has never done drugs. Everything in moderation. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Speaking of drugs, a source tells Sports Illustrated that Julian Edelman suspended for four games for violating the NFL's policy against performance-enhancing drugs. Edelman tested positive for a substance that wasn't immediately recognizable. There are scientists analyzing it. To which I say, well, then how do you know it's against the rules? Why is he suspended? Is that a substance on top of what he got suspended for? Because if that's what he's suspended for, I'd appeal. And I'd win. Uh, Tomorrow is Dick Grote Day in the city of Pittsburgh. He'll be honored by city council. Dick Grote, of course, the National League most valuable player in 1960 when the Pirates won the World Series. And now the color commentator on Pitt men's basketball games. Dick Grote obviously was a great baseball player, but people don't often know that Dick Grote's an all-time great basketball player at Duke University. They got his number up there in the rafters. As good as he was at baseball, he was better at basketball, but made the choice to pursue baseball after. I think he played one season for Fort Wayne in the NBA, and the money was just greater, the potential for earning higher in baseball. But congratulations to Mr. Grote, who I've always admired and and when I see him, I enjoy talking to him, so that's an honor well-deserved. Uh, getting back to the Ovechkin-Crosby debate, Vince Comunal, who's a hockey writer in the area, works for Stan Fischler, said that the magic number is points per game, and Crosby is like a tenth of a point per game ahead of Ovechkin. 
with all due respect to Vince, who knows what he's talking about, the magic number is whatever you want it to be. And the magic number used to be goals. And I think it still resonates more than any other number. Now, with Gretzky, it's hard to tell because Gretzky has the most goals and points all time. If somebody else had more goals and Gretzky had more points, then that debate would be an ongoing concern. That's why I always pick Mario over Gretzky because Mario was a better goal scorer. I think a better player, period, in, in so many ways except maybe for vision on the pass. I can't take that away from Gretzky. But Mario was definitely a better finisher, and I believe, in fact, the best goal scorer of all time. And I think if Mario had stayed healthy and maybe not taken those three and a half years off retired in the middle of his career, he probably would have scored 900 goals instead of ending up with the 690 he did. And that's obviously a right impressive number. But uh, but goals used to be the thing. Rocket Richard, 50 goals. Rocket Richard, 544 career goals. Those are the numbers people talked about. It's like with Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, he was the home run guy. And for years, people didn't care about anything else. And it was the same for goals in hockey. And I I wonder what people will be thinking if Ovi does get to 800 goals. And that is a reasonable thing to think. Again, if Sid wants to be remembered as the best player between the two in perpetuity, get another cup. Or hope Ovi doesn't win another cup. You know what would help Sid? See, I hate to say it in those ways because Sid doesn't need help. Sid's the superior player. Honestly, this is just talk show babble, but it's helped kill the better part of this show. What if Sid came out and scored 50 next year? I don't know. Does he still have that in him? What did he get this year? 38, I think? If Sid did that, boy, that would be an exclamation point. And if Sid challenges himself... To do that, well, I've not known Sid. Oh, my God, only 29 goals this past year. I thought it was higher than that. But, you know, 89 points, and clearly he paced himself a bit to get to the playoffs because he ripped apart the playoffs, even in a losing effort, finishing, I think, fifth in playoff scoring despite playing only two rounds. He had 29 goals last year. 44 the year before that, 36 the year before that, 28, 36, 15 in the strike shortened season of 2013, but he only played 36 games. That was the cry and shame. That's where he got hit in the face with the Orpic slap shot and missed the last part of the season and played in the playoffs banged up and with a cage. I really think it's Sid not get hit in the face. I'm not going to say they would have won the Stanley Cup, but they wouldn't have got swept by the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I, I, I can't believe people don't want to debate that that pitcher, the Minnesota high school thing. Uh, you know what? It's a soft nation. You're all soft. You're all weak. You're all wimps. You're all losers. So if you want to see the kids hug each other, I better watch how I phrase that. If you want to see friendship take precedence over competition, well, ain't that America for you and me, baby? Ain't that America home of the free? And, and you know what it reminds me of? And this kind of pissed me off. Reminds me when Liverpool played Roma in the Champions League semifinals. And in the first game, first half of the first game, 
Mo Salah scores for Liverpool. And he had played for Roma just last season, and he wouldn't celebrate. He didn't want to show up Roma. And I got a little bit chapped because you don't play for Roma anymore, buddy. You play for Liverpool now. But then he scored again like three minutes later, and I was starting to feel better about the whole thing at that point. You know what's funny, too? Later in that tie, the two games, Mo set up a couple goals, and he celebrated those because he like didn't want to cheat his teammate out of celebrating with him after he set him up. All that's a little complicated, and I think he just should have celebrated. But Mo Salah plays for Liverpool, and he set a club record for goals, so obviously he could do no wrong. I've been hitting run up to that kid after striking him out. Kicked him right in the nuts with that soccer foot. Let's go to Eric in South Hills. Eric, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. I just had, I wanted to get your opinion on the difference of when you have a soccer game at the end of a soccer game and you might have a striker and a fullback at the end of the game embrace each other before they celebrate with their team. How do you feel that, uh, how's that different with the baseball kid? Different circumstance. I mean, he struck him out and the game's over right then and there and you're in the the uh, state final. For example, if if uh, if somebody scored in a soccer match in injury time to break a tie, I don't think they would console the opposition in that case. Now, if if you beat somebody like you know three to one and the result is pretty clear, then yeah, maybe the circumstance you describe isn't uh, isn't implausible. But uh, that's not the circumstance that that occurred. Okay, very good. Appreciate that. I'm always right. Remember that four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. We're going to talk Steelers minicamp with Matt Williamson at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, calls, calls, and more calls. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hello, is this Mark Madden? Mark, this is the big McDonald. How the hell are you? What's going on now sucks, but that sucked too, and it was boring. The X at 105.9. Here's a tweet about my opinion about the pitcher striking out the batter, then hugging him instead of celebrating with his teammates after clinching a spot in the Minnesota State High School Baseball Final. Derek tweets, you couldn't be more heartless on the baseball kids. It's called sportsmanship. They were friends, and the kid just wanted to be there for his friend and what was possibly the most devastating loss in his life. I know you know all, but have a little respect sometimes. Actually, Derek, I am having respect. I'm having respect uh, for my teammates and coaches if I'm the pitcher. I'm having respect for the spirit of competition, and I'm having respect for the occasion. There's more than enough respect to go around on my part. It's not all about this little love fest between the pitcher and the batter. It's about the other eight guys behind me on that field and having won with them rather than having lost with the guy I just struck out. If the pitchers cared so deeply for the batter above and beyond the result of that game and his teammates and coaches, he just should have served up a home run or walked him and struck out the next batter if that friendship was that important. So important is to compromise the camaraderie of being on a team and the spirit of competition. 412-333-9939 is the number to call up. We've been talking about Steeler minicamp. Matt Williamson will join me at 5.30 to do that. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN tweeted this about the minicamp. 
Tight end worth watching closely at Steelers minicamp. Xavier Grimble said offensive coordinator Randy Fickner's offense is tight end friendly. Each play has several possibilities. Vance McDonald gets a full offseason with the team. Jesse James no longer banged up. Grimble trying to maximize big playability. Unquote. That's from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. I'd buy into that except for one thing. None of those tight ends is all that good. It's really just three number two tight ends. Now, they might be very good number two tight ends, but that's the caliber player that Grimble, McDonald, and Jesse James are. So if Fickner can maximize that, if he can make chicken salad out of chicken scratch, more power to him, and I think he'll do a good job as the offensive coordinator. Randy Fickner has one big quality. He's not Todd Haley, and I think that will go a long way and serve him well especially when it comes to dealing with the quarterback. Uh, we talked about the Pirates at the beginning of the show, and I want to reprise, and I got a blog posted about this on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Nick Kingham got sent to AAA. Among Pirate pitchers who have started a game, he has the best DRA, the best whip, and the lowest opponent batting average. And he started six games, so it's not a ridiculously small sample. And that's the guy that got sent down. Why did they do that? What is the logic to that? And all the pirate bitch blog boys and all the bucko stooges on Twitter, nobody can come up with an answer, let alone somebody in the legitimate media, stooges though they are too. So I ask again, why is Nick Kingham in the minors? But, but we all know why. It's the same old crap. It's like starting Rodriguez one-third of the time. It's like rotating Polanco through the outfield. It's not done with an eye toward winning. It's done with an eye toward profit. In this case, an eye toward, I suppose, justifying paying Nova over $9 bucks. Although, even if you take Nova out the rotation, you're still going to pay him that $9 million. And you got Kingham in there at a bargain price, and he's a better pitcher. Again, I think Hurdle has gone soft. I think he knows this team can't legitimately contend for a playoff spot. So he doesn't want any headaches from the clubhouse, so he just tries to keep everybody happy. I mean, Kingham's at the point of his career. Well, he's 26. He should have probably been in the majors before this, but uh, they bring guys along slowly, don't they? For their own good and mostly because of the service clock. But... Uh, you know, Kingham's a guy who's barely been in the majors. He would, you know, take his hat if you defecated in it and put it back on his head and say thanks. Whereas Nova might be, I don't know, tough, tougher to deal with. I I just hate the way the Pirates are run, and I hate the way Hurdle manages. Don't forget, they went from nine games over 500 to now under 500 in less than a month. That is a precipitous drop. Okay, Connie Out Lake. Spent a couple days up there, went Friday night, came back Sunday morning. It rained like crazy Sunday morning. But I actually uh, went to the beach by the Hotel Conneaut where I stayed, and I bought a new swimsuit for the occasion. Not a Speedo, believe me, but but I actually went in the water. Now, I waited. I didn't like, I didn't want, it was early morning when nobody was there, and I didn't want to put my testicles in the cold water. 
But just the sensation of being in the lake and sitting on the beach and, you know, thinking back to when I did that as a kid. You know, I go up there to remember what it was like when I was there as a kid. And it's always mission accomplished in, in that regard. Went to St- Silver Shores Restaurant. They had prime rib. How how serendipitous is that, that that was prime rib night? I guess it's prime rib night every Saturday and Friday now. So I'm who knows? I might go up again. I had a great time. Went to Eddie's Hot Dogs, Hank's Custard. Uh, a new ice cream place opened. I can't remember the name of it, but it was good. I went to Casey's Ice Cream. Just, uh, you know, Park Fries. Played miniature golf. Just, just a, I, I love going up there. I could do everything I want to do in 36 hours. I didn't see Hillgrove. I thought I'd run into him. That was disappointing. My friend Rob Shellhaus, who owns the funeral home, which I'll be laid out in someday. Uh, he has a home up there, but he wasn't there for the weekend. But uh, but uh, just to, I, I love Conneaut Lake, and I'm I'm very glad I went. And the park gets better and brighter and more populated. It really is making a comeback, the amusement park. So uh, nothing up there I didn't really enjoy. Let's go very quickly. Nah, forget about him. Let's get ready for Matt Williamson. Tom, call back in a couple years. Tom from Mount Washington was on hold. No, let's take this call. This guy might have a good point. Tom, real quick, what do you got? Hello? You're on the air, Tom. Hurry up. What do you got? Yeah, hey, I, I just want to say I agree with you about the baseball player and wanted to ask him if that kid would have hit a home run off him, would he run out and give him a hug before we ran around the bases? I think he would have passed I, mean, I think he would have passed one of the runners to forfeit the game back to the pitcher. I, I agree. Would he, you think he would have celebrated with his team when he when he got the home plate? I, I, I don't know. This is a very close friendship. Thank you for the call. And I'm not implying anything at all. And if I know, like whatever, I just I can't get over that a kid struck somebody out to get his team in the state final and then hugged the guy he struck out. I can't get over that. Matt Williamson up next. One hundred five nine. And now the super genius Mark Madden. Are you speaking from the inside of an electric razor? Yeah. Luke, I am your father. The X at one hundred five nine. Steelers minicamp starts tomorrow on the south side. Joining me now, it's our football guru, Matt Williamson. Matt, are there any big issues at Steelers minicamp? Are there any questions that can be answered to any significant degree in a mere three days? No, but I've been broadcasting there all through OTAs, and you pick some things up for sure. You know, like I've really had an eye on what safety is going to be in the deep middle, and I haven't found that answer out. I mean, there's been a long, wide variety there, but as they install the defense, you start to see roles and who's going to play where. And, you know, another thing I noticed, like when they signed John Bostick, I thought, okay, you know, he's a explosive straight-line athlete, but he doesn't – I don't think he's all that laterally agile or change directions all that well. But when you watch him practice in front of you, you say, wow, he moves better than I thought. So – there's things like that to gather from it, but the line play, you really can't find out a lot. Um, you know, a guy like Washington, the second-round pick, he absolutely looks like he belongs, you know, in what's basically seven-on-seven type drills. So you get some things. Now, with OTAs, they, they had Watt and Dupree switch sides at outside backer. Uh, are they going to continue that at minicamp, do you guess, Matt? And would that be permanent or situational? Break that down for us. Yeah, and it's going to be the majority of the time is my hunch. And I think it makes sense, but it would have made a lot more sense 
15 years ago. You know, it used to be that offenses came out with a tight end of the quarterback's right, and they ran right more often. And, you know, right tackles were big, heavy-footed guys, where left tackles were really nimble and agile pass protectors. And I think that's still sort of true, just not as much as it was. And by this flipping, which I think is going to be basically permanent, but once in a while you'll see the other or them lined up on the same side, I think TJ's the better coverage player, you know, certainly against tight ends, and that makes perfect sense. I also think he's the more agile technician, change of direction athlete, bender against heavier right tackle types. And maybe most importantly, Dupree's best method to getting to the quarterback right now is trying to go through his opponent. And maybe he can have more luck against, you know, lighter, more agile guys as opposed to trying to bull rush right tackles. Why hasn't Dupree turned out better so far? Is there any one thing that's held him back in particular, or is he just not that good? I think there's a couple things, and one of them stems back to college, was I never thought he was a great recognition player. You know, if you're half a tick slow of figuring out where to be, and that doesn't mean he's not smart or anything like that. It's just how well he recognizes the run play towards him or when to go to a second move, things like that. I think he's still... Not where he needs to be there, but better than he was. And I also don't think he's a natural bender. You know, like I talked about Bostic, and Dupree is really impressive closing or converting speed to power and being a powerful straight-line player. But when you ask him to really dip a shoulder and get low, you know, like on his speed rush, instead of really getting low and getting to the quarterback on a really tight angle – He's too easy to push up field, and I don't know that that'll change, but I hope he develops more more repertoire as a pass rusher, too, going to a second move, showing new things. He's not a bad player, but a little disappointing for sure. How can they fix inside backer, and can they do it by playing more safeties? Because you hear that talked about, but I don't think the Steelers are great at safety either. Well, what I think is going to happen, and you and I haven't talked for a while, but I've been saying this for a long time, and one thing I've very much learned in this business is roster moves tell you what they're going to do. And if Evans or Van Der Esch would have been there in the first round, I think they would have taken them. But it's not an accident that their, their biggest additions this year were Morgan Burnett, you know, really their only free agent that they signed, the first-round pick, Edmonds. And then when Marcus Allen fell to them in, what, the fifth round, and they took yet another, quote, box safety it told me all I need to know is they're going to play a lot of safeties as linebackers, you know, 210, 215 pound guys near the line of scrimmage to make up for the speed loss of Shazier. So what I think you'll see, and I haven't seen this yet by a lot in OTAs or anything, but there's a lot of time. I think when you see the quote base personnel, what used to be the Steelers three, four, I think you'll see a lot of their three man front, Watt and Dupree, now on different sides, as you mentioned. Vince Williams or Bostic, three safeties and two corners, with two of those safeties kind of looming around the line of scrimmage like a Cam Chancellor type. Now, when we consider that they didn't draft a replacement for Shazier, should Steeler fans be pissed about that or just acknowledge that nobody was really available, not to draft or to sign? Right, and more the latter. And... The reality is, we talked about this a lot on the air, was 
there's really only 10 to a dozen human beings on the earth that would, quote, be replacements or possible replacements for Shazir. I mean, what he brought to the table in terms of just erasing errors and pure speed and athleticism, you weren't going to find that. I mean, if you would have got Van Der Esch or Evans, you at least could have a really solid, talented guy to build around. But I didn't think they were special enough to trade your draft to go get them. And so they're compensating, I think, with more safeties. And the reality is, you look at a team like Jacksonville. I mean, there's a guy, Kevin Telvin Smith, who's listed as a linebacker, maybe the fastest linebacker in the league, but he's really no different than their first-round pick this year, you know, Edmonds. You know, if they walk in the room together, you'd think they play the same position. It's just kind of what they list them at. We're talking to our football guru, Matt Williamson. You can check him out on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, Matt, you mentioned Morgan Burnett, the safety, the free agent from Green Bay. And everybody I talked to is raving about him. What are your expectations for Morgan Burnett? Yeah, and a theme for sure with Burnett and Bostic, and when we interview players coming off the field, something you keep hearing that they're obviously trying to address is better communication, better tackling, less mental errors. And I think Burnett and Bostic are really adapting that in that they're versatile They've had the headsets. They, they can orchestrate the whole defense. And Burnett really, I think, is going to be asked to do everything. I think he's a true professional that can cover tight ends, that can play near the line of scrimmage, can play too deep. I've seen him in single high. I don't know that I trust him there. I think he's a little better near the line of scrimmage. But that's a quality pickup. I mean, I think he'll help in a lot of phases. Can James Washington replace Martavis Bryant? And do the Steelers expect him to do that, strictly speaking? I think so. Um, right now, he didn't run a real diverse route tree in a real wide open attack. You know, I think he'll come in in sort of that Sammy Coates role, and that doesn't sound good on the surface. But remember last year, I guess it was last year, where Coates had that six-game stretch where he'd line up outside the numbers and A.B. would be on the opposite side and he'd have one-on-ones over and over and over and they'd throw D2. I mean, I think that's how you get him involved early. But unlike Bryant or Coates, you see Washington in person, he almost looks like a running back. I mean, he's a really thickly built guy. So I think to get him more and more involved, you'll see bubble screens, quick hitting things, because he's hard to, he's hard to tackle. You know, he's not a 4-3 flat guy that's just going to run outside the numbers past people. But he goes up and gets the ball really well. And like I mentioned, he's really shown well since being in a Pittsburgh uniform. Am I wrong to have some questions about James Conner? Because if he gets hurt again, or isn't that good, the Steelers might have problems at running back. Yeah, they might. And Jalen Samuels is a really interesting guy. Um, I saw running back going into the draft as their number three need behind linebacker and safety, which everyone thought was one and two, because I don't trust Conner. You know I mean? Great story, rooting for him. Hey, I was at Pitt for three years. But he hasn't proven that he can be on the field, and I question his versatility, which is something you don't question with Samuels. And, you know, I, I look at Connor and think he's probably a long-time number two if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's a, a big if right now. Well, no, I see him as a number two. That That's not my complaint. For sure, yeah. But, but the injuries combined with, I mean, you can't make progress when you're hurt. That that That's a worry, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a little concerned and I urge everyone to check out my timeline. I just wrote some, some stats about Bell's workload. It's insane. And 
I don't trust him to stay healthy. And obviously the offense would be much different with him out of the game. And I don't think Connor can be a carry-the-load, 20-carry type of guy. It certainly hasn't proven it yet, that's for sure. So, yeah, I do think there's concerns there. You can check out Matt's timeline at Williamson NFL. That's at Williamson NFL. Now, with Gerald Hawkins... Just real quick, you can see things going wrong. It's not a, it's not a hard narrative to write where things go wrong at the running back position quickly on this team. Now, uh, with Gerald Hawkins on IR and Chris Hubbard gone, do the Steelers suddenly lack depth on the offensive line? At tackle, yes. I mean, their interior, I think, is very good because Finney's a high-quality player. I think Finney's going to be your new Hubbard, you know, the, the come-from-nowhere type guy, but he can't play tackle. Filer's another guy that people probably don't re- recognize but has developed really well and is yet another feather in Coach Munchak's cap. I mean, Villanueva, Foster, Hubbard, Finney, Filer. These are all starting caliber, more or less, guys that were undrafted. So you got the right O-line coach at least working these guys out. And Filer's been playing more tackle since the injury. And they also drafted this Chooks dude who I think everyone wanted the red shirt for the entire year. But he's going to get more reps, and Munchak's going to get his hands on him. So it's a worry, especially considering Gilbert's injury history. But, you know, most teams in the league don't have three tackles. Do you expect Ben to ever hit a wall? Or do you think he'll finish out his career as at least a top 10, top 12 quarterback? Yeah, I do lean that way. But like I said, I was the one, more than anyone that I can remember, really doubting him after four, five, six weeks last year. I thought he played really, really poorly and rebounded really well. And... I'm not bashing Ben by any stretch of the imagination, but in terms of the 32 quarterback situations in this league, he has it about as good as anyone in terms of protection and guys around him. And so I do think he's going to be, yeah, a top 10, top 12 guy for the foreseeable future as long as he doesn't hold on one year too long. But, I mean, I don't expect that drop off in the next year or two. By the way, just to quote your timeline, uh, Lev Bell leads all running backs in snaps played since he entered the league in 2013, and he missed 18 games during those five years. Tomlin really does run these guys till the wheels fall off, doesn't he? That's that's uh, not an exaggeration it, or a catchphrase. It, not at all. And, and I, I followed it up by, he if you just go on a per-game basis, since Bell missed those 18 games, he averages 10.5 more, more touches than anybody else. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, per game, that's a whole quarter of football. Ten and a half snaps, I'm sorry, not touches. So he plays like basically an extra quarter of football than the second most used running back. And that's not going to hold up. And, I, again, I feel like I'm the only one saying it too. I thought he declined last year. And that should be expected. I mean, these guys can't handle that kind of workload. Now, uh, Reggie Bush said Tomlin – should be under fire a bit more, and the Tomlin needs to change the culture. What's your take on that? I don't see that. Um, I don't know what Reggie Bush insight he has on the on the on the subject. He's never been here, but you compare it to the other thirty-two teams. I think that locker room is really strong, and I think it's you know. It's, it's, I, I do you really, Matt? Even with all the distractions, I think it's maybe a typical NFL locker room, but but I think they could tone it down a little, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I don't think it's criminal behavior compared to some of the other teams out there, a lot of other teams out there. I think there's some immaturity amongst the older dudes, you know, the Bells and Browns and those type of guys. 
But I also think the last couple draft classes, the first last two, have highly been dedicated to high-character guys, team captains, things like that, too. Sutton, Watt, Juju. I mean, a lot of those guys were well-respected on their teams. Now, Sports Illustrated already did a preview. They're, they're, they did a preview to the preview, which I think is hilarious. And they said the Steelers look vulnerable, but still picked them to win the AFC North. Matt, I agree. That's exactly how I would phrase it, in fact. I think they can help but win the AFC North, but I just can't right now see them as a legit Super Bowl contender because of that defense. I'm definitely going to pick them to pick the win the North, although I do think all three of those teams are better than they were. I think the AFC is very, very weak, and I think Jacksonville's due to take a step back because their passing game's horrible. New England's not going away. There's five or six teams in the NFC I would probably put ahead of the Steelers, but I think they're a top seven or eight type of team, and I'm curious how the defense comes around. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be leaps and bounds better, but they've drafted on that side of the ball so heavily over the last couple years, I have to tend to think it's going to take a step forward. Matt, great stuff as always. Enjoy minicamp. We'll talk to you again real soon, I'm sure. All right, Mark. Take care. That's our football guru, Matt Williamson. I'm Mark Madden. It's now time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, hi, Mark. Hi. I to say I love your show. I just talked to David Lee Roth. He said, somebody get me a doctor. VX at 105.9. Somebody get me a shot. Now time to ask Mark Anything, brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar, the city's best seafood and chapas located in the Strip. I've just been informed tomorrow at 3.30 to talk about the high school pitcher hugging the batter after he strikes him out. Sean Casey, the mayor, the nicest guy ever. I already know what he's going to say, but I'm still going to make him say it. 412-333. 9939 is the number to call. Oh, brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar, the city's best seafood and chop house. Check out Chapino in the strip. Let's go to Eric and Beaver. Eric, uh, ask Mark anything. Mark, where can I find the best blue cheese dressing in Pittsburgh? For what? For what purpose? For a salad or for wings? Um, more so for, for a salad, kind of initially, but you could also go into like a blue cheese burger because I like having dressing. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you want to go to Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar, coincidentally, because the Mark Mad, the Super Genius Burger has blue cheese on it. It's delicious. Awesome. Their blue cheese is tremendous. I'll tell you another dark horse, though. The dark Ugly horse, Dog okay. Saloon, right by where I work in Green Tree, okay. their blue cheese dressing is unbelievable. And I don't know if it's house-made or whatever, but it's unbelievable. Okay. The best used to be the Pittsburgh Steak Company, but it closed along with my life. Leaves the line open here, 412-333-WXDX. You know, somebody tweeted, why can't Ovi be the best scorer and Crosby be the best all-around player? Why does one have to be better? Because this is talk radio. That's why. And Sid's better. Let's go to Paul near Heinz Field. Paul, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, I, I keep hearing you mention that the uh, Hebrew Hammer is banned, and I, I think I'm actually. I don't thing. keep mentioning that. Today's the first time I've mentioned it. I believe since I banned him, which was like two or three months ago. What, what did he do? He annoyed me. Oh, fair enough. What you think this is a democracy? 
Well, we're waiting. Leaves the line open here on 412-333-WXDX. There was no new episode of Brockmire last week. There's only two left in the season. They only do eight episodes a season. That's criminal. Let's go to Dylan in West Mifflin. Dylan, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, I just had a question. I know you talked about this on your show, but um, seeing that Luke Heimlich went undrafted, do you think any MLB team will actually take a chance on him? No. I mean, if he was going to get a chance to pitch in pro baseball, he would have got drafted. Don't you agree? Yeah, probably. I mean, I understand the negative. Now, just, just, to set the, 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 just to tell the story, he, he's the best pitcher in college baseball, got bypassed the last year's draft and in this year's draft because it came to light that he confessed to molesting his, I believe, six-year-old niece back when he was 15. And the, 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 the charges were supposed to be sealed and then expunged when he reached 21, but they leaked. Correct. I just didn't know if maybe a team would take a chance on his talent. I mean, um, Aldridge is a bad PR move regardless, but... You know what? It's, know what it's one of those situations, brah, where I think he should get a second chance. I would not hire him. I'm not, I'm, not comparing, I'm not comparing him to Colin Kaepernick by any means, or Colin Kaepernick to him, rather. It's the same thing. I think Colin Kaepernick should get a chance to play in the NFL again. I just wouldn't hire him. You know, we, we wade through uh, the, the mud and muck of second chances and, you know, trying to, you know, give people a chance to rebuild their lives. But we don't want them to do it at the expense of our business, at the expense of what's best for us, at the expense of what's best for business. And hiring Luke Heimlich is not best for business. It just, simply put, is not. a good show. Oh, wait, let's, let's stop the music. This guy's a question about Connie Lake. I'll take one more call. Let's go to Joe in Overbrook. Joe, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Hi, Joe. How'd you have a good time? Yeah, I just said I did. What's your question? Oh, okay. There's no brother bears, any mama bears anymore, but listen to this question real quick before you hang up on me. You there? Yeah, go ahead. Why is Clint Hartle still Goodbye. Here? Goodbye. That's not a Connie Outlake question, you dink. That was a mistake. Shouldn't have taken it. That was a mistake. I can't wait till the World Cup starts Thursday so I can watch it during the show and pay almost no attention to my job whatsoever. 1059 yes.